I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. We're so excited to be here today with a real expert in human resources. We're with Deb Hughes, who is the SVP of Change and Communications and of HR for HR at ADP, which issues most of our paychecks. Uh, So Deb, welcome and thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. and Thank you for the recognition for the paychecks. Those are important. Everybody's happy to get their paycheck, believe me. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Very much so. Very much so. Deb, please tell us about you and you've had a huge career. So tell us about how you got to where you are today. Yeah. And you know how one of those things about you should know what your destination is. I was definitely one of those people that did not know. I started out in communications and marketing in college. And then I worked part-time at a bank and I ended up being brought in as a part-time HR person. So that was about 38 years ago. Uh, And I have been in HR that entire time other than one year, which was the last year, and then I'm back in HR. But I started with ADP uh, when we were kind of geographic systems of payroll in the domestic U.S. I spent my first 16 years in what we considered to be the field of HR for payroll, for our payroll business. And then I started to work outside of the U.S. and building HR organizations across the world. So Lucky for me, I've been able to spend time in many countries with many of our, we we call our employees associates, many of our associates. I probably hired about a third of them across the globe. And um, I probably spent time with uh, the other third. So I'm still meeting the the last third, still working on that. That's amazing. And I agree with you. I have to say that I've never been one that was great at um, pre-designing my career. I think there's a lot of trial and error that happens along the way. So glad to know that you are in the same boat and it doesn't seem to have impeded Great. you at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I'd like to hear more about gender and how do you think gender has played a role in your career and what, what dynamics do you see playing out in your organization and also be interested in how that looks different in the U.S. and abroad? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I learned really early in my career to pay less attention to what might be different, you know, if I were like one of the boys that was at work. And what I decided to do was just work really hard and represent myself really well and do a great job, really just for me, right, to focus on the business and learn. But I have to say, I learned a lot from the guys. I, I worked for a lot of general managers who were all men at that time. Uh, this is like early 90s. And frankly, those people that I learned from taught me a lot about the business, what it meant to speak the language of the business, the financials, the economics of the work that we did and how to run the business. And that was phenomenal. I never had to be an HR person who really paid attention to policies. I was a business person and I focused on our human capital. So I was very lucky in that I worked for a lot of men who really invested in me. And that that may not have been true for for all women, but for me that worked out perfectly in my early in my career. And then it's just gotten better because it's we're much more diverse today than we were when I when I joined the company 32 years ago, and that's through a commitment for that kind of diversity and it's been not only helpful for me, but it's been helpful in working with women 
who are also running businesses and, uh, and learning from those women as well. So it's been really great, actually. I've been lucky. Uh-huh. I love it. Well, and certainly knowledge is power. And I think helping understand how everything is a business decision is always an advantage in your career. Uh, But I'd like to know more about how you've been promoted many times. How and what suggestions do you have? Do you think it would help our users, our audience get the promotions they want? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, again, I I said it before, and it's probably going to be a theme you know, I really do believe in very hard work. You, you, when you work, you're recognized for that work. It's important that people know what you're doing. And then it's also important that you make what you would like to be doing very clear to people. Don't let people guess. Let them know that it, uh, it's important to you, for example. It's always been important to me for me to spend time with our associates outside of the domestic U.S. and represent their perspectives because cultures and how things work in different countries is so important. So I made that known early. And frankly, that's benefited me. Uh, And I think sometimes I might be in a room where nobody else has that knowledge. And I can bring that forward. And that has also helped me in the sense that when there's an opportunity where somebody needs to understand, hey, what if we did this in France? What would that mean? How would we work with the works councils? I might be the only one in the room who knows that, or at least knows somebody who does know it, and I can get an answer quickly. And that has benefited me from a career standpoint, having that unique knowledge. So the combination of people know I like to work hard, uh, they know that I like to represent what we're doing well, and bring that forward into the conversation. And I would say last, benefiting from many mentors and many sponsors along the way. Yes. So let's talk about that. I'd love to hear you. You've told me you view yourself very much as a connector. How have you sought out mentors and sponsors? And then how have you served as one? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We all use different psychological profile assessments, right? So I've been a big promoter of Myers-Briggs and uh, we leverage standout with an ADP. So my primary role, my primary strength is a connector. So bringing people together And I think what happens for me, and I think what works best, I mean, you can have mentor programs where people are matched through a system. But frankly, I think organic mentorship works much better. When I watch somebody and I see somebody do something, and I want to learn how to do that, asking that person to share their knowledge with me and teach me for me to be their mentor has always worked really well for me, not only because I think people like to think that they're helping or like to think that they're really good at things and it's honoring when you ask them. I think it's also much more powerful in the sense that you're being very deliberate about what you're looking for. So for example, I I never thought I was great at time management and I worked for a boss who was phenomenal. Her name was Lucy. And I asked Lucy if she would teach me and she did. And that had stayed with me through my whole career. So, you know, part of paying it back, right, is, When I have people come to me and say, hey, could you mentor me in, who knows, it could be how I relate to colleagues, how I relate to bosses, how I relate to our associates, I'm more than willing. Now, being a mentee means, though, that it's on you to schedule the time with me. You know, I'm not going to go after you. You have to come and see me, put time in my calendar, bring a topic, let's talk about it, or let me know what you want to know about and I can bring you in. But but I think that mentees have to know that it's really on them to drive the engagement. 
Absolutely. I think that is so important to emphasize that anyone who's looking to get advice or mentorship has to be proactive about it. Um, and I also, something that really is coming through loud and clear for me is how much you've benefited for this hunger for knowledge and this, in, this curiosity. Career is built on the knowledge and the hard work you accumulated and how important that is in creating your credibility and your reputation in the office. It, it really, I mean, it's interesting. And, you know, I went back not too long ago and just tried to see where the edges were. When I got to an edge, what is it that I wanted to do next, right? So I work in the U.S. and I understood the U.S. business and payroll. What did I, what did I want to do next? Well, I want to learn something outside of that. At that time, we were very payroll centric. Now we're human capital management uh, overall. But I wanted to learn more about talent acquisition. So I spent some time in that business. You know, I wanted to learn more about compensation or total rewards. So I spent some time learning that. So I think there's something about, you know, how, and maybe I'm not unique, you know, I learned to a certain point and then I said, what else do I want to know? And then when I told people what I wanted to know, then I got that work. And then I was able to leverage that into more people knowing me more people knowing what I was capable of, more people looking for me to do something different or bigger. And that's really where sponsors come in, right? Sometimes we get confused with a mentor, with a sponsor. Well, you know, a mentor is somebody that you can really tell every, everything to, right? It's somebody who's more of a coach you could share things with. A sponsor is the person who represents you in the room when you're not there. And what you did was give those sponsors real ammunition, right? To be able to say. Exactly. Exactly. Like support Deb because she's taken this on. She's learned this. And I love that. Yeah. And I would say it's interesting that one thing you're right. Definitely. Sometimes you, you really don't know who your sponsor is, right? They're the people who show up in the room. Conversation happens. Opportunity is put on the table and they put your name there. Sometimes you don't know who they are. They just happen to know who you are, right? So that's sometimes that happens. But making sure you just work really hard and, and people have a good sense of your capabilities, that tends to amplify. People tell those stories, right? So that's one thing. I will tell you a story about when I learned what happens when you don't do that. And even though people know you, they might like you. But when you're in an interview process, and I mean a, a formal interview process, especially with people who know you well, don't assume that when they are now in their collective conversation about the candidates for a role, that you have given them the collateral to put forward on the table. Sometimes when we're friends or we've worked together for a long time, we have a great conversation. But if you forget as the person looking for the job to give that person who now is going to be in a conversation with other people who interviewed you, the story that they should tell. Yeah. What's your uh, tagline? Yeah specific experience, what happens is they go sit in the room, and this has happened to me multiple times, they sit in the room and say, oh, we love Deb, Deb's great, but I didn't give them the detail. Right. It's not about, I love Deb, it's about Deb gets it done. Here are the accomplishments. Exactly. Here's what Deb can exactly. do for us. Yes, exactly. exactly. Right. And it's as you get more senior and as you're building those relationships, it's important to continue to kind of define, reiterate, repeat your your value proposition as a contributor. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly it. So we have a lot of managers on the call. Let's talk about, I mean, you have been an incredibly effective manager yourself, and you're also in charge of making sure managers at ADP 
are effective managers. What's your best advice? What does a great manager look like? Yeah, I think great managers are frankly great teachers. I think they're great listeners. I think they're people who are self-confident enough to allow someone else to be successful and to do well. I always felt like I was known by the people who worked for me, right? And, and the greatest honor that I had was when somebody else wanted someone on my team to work on their team, right? I've done something right, if that's the truth. And I, I also think great managers are people who like to give credit where credit is due and support people's innovation and ideas. I use a model, it's something I learned a long time ago called uh, LCS, like concerns and suggestions. So people come to me sometimes on the team and they'll say, hey, I have this great idea and it could be a great idea or it could be like an, oh my goodness, I can't believe you think that's a great idea. But I always start with what I like about the idea. Then I tell them what my concern is and then I give them a suggestion to overcome my concern. I own my suggestion. And I have to tell you that that model, I have that when people will come see me, they'll be like, oh, Deb, can you tell me about that model? Because the team that works for me talks about it. So there's something about- I'm gonna try this immediately. (laughs) It worked, I'm telling you, it works. And it's ideas, it's feedback, it's when somebody's asking you, hey, I was on stage for this, what did you think? It gives you a chance to do all of that. And it's also great because, you know, we all like to be kind in a way, right? We want to be good people. But if you don't tell people the truth, that's not kind, right? Right. That's my favorite Brene Brown adage. Clarity is kindness. Ah, see that? Yes, that's great. So here's the hard question, Deb. Would you be willing to Mm. tell us about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Yeah, sure. (laughs) We're all human, right? The good news is that we're all human and we can make mistakes. Um, and if we're not making mistakes, we're not trying enough hard new things. Yeah, you're right. If you're not taking risks, and people know that too, that if, that you're not a risk taker. So I would say my my mistakes, because I tend to really love the humans. You know, I don't call people resources. That to me is air and water, right? Boy, if you if you own resources, that's great for you. But that's not how I think about it. I think about our people as humans and I love the humans. So there are times when I've had people work for me when I waited too long to call it. I let my heart take over my head and I thought I was. That is so human. (laughs) That's so human, right? Yeah. I, I thought I was being kind by giving someone probably too many chances for their performance to improve. And frankly, sometimes it's not kind. Because all it does is create frustration for that person. It creates more frustration for me. It creates frustration for the people around them. I learned the hard way that it was better to move forward, let the person know that it's not working out, give them time, a little time to look for something, uh, then let them go. Call it early, communicate directly, and be as gracious as you can supporting someone when they're leaving. Yeah. Because you are only as good as the team, right? And if it's not a fit, it's just not a fit. I agree. I agree. All right. So the world is weird right now and very difficult. So tell me a little bit about how do you advise that people can think about some of the things we've talked about, career advancement, learning and development, when you're not in an office with other 
leaders, when people, your work is not visible implicitly because we're working at home, where everything that we're working on feels like it has to be essential and urgent. So mm. there isn't, doesn't feel like as much time to learn or grow or advance or network. How do we continue to think about career progression, even in the midst of a yeah. crisis? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And it's it's such a unique time, right? Like, first of all, I hope we never have this again, but it's going to be with us for you a while. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you and me both. And, you know, it's interesting. I think on the career front, it's not like we're in suspended animation, right? So we should continue to pursue the career stuff that we're interested in. At the same time, I think we have to give, you know, kind of everybody around us a little bit of space. I'm sure I'm like a lot of people, to your point, I'm working on a lot of really critical time mission, critical items. And, you know, I would love to be able to have the the normal day that I would have had where I could intersperse, you know, conversations with my mentees and my colleagues, you know, very casually in the day. But it's not like that right now. We're, we're kind of like everything is important and you have to spend time on the important things. So you have to give a little space to others. But for yourself, there's no reason you should let up on investing in yourself. There's no reason that you shouldn't continue to sharpen the saw, as Stephen Covey has, has said. You know, read those business books that have been sitting on the shelf. Participate in webinars. There's like no lack of virtual learning right now. Learn a new skill, and most of all, pay attention. It's so interesting what's happening around us right now. There's so many decisions that are being made. There's so much confusion, and what a great time to pay attention and take these learnings and bring them forward when you have the opportunity to have that conversation about that next career step that you want to make. That would be my, that would be my recommendation. I love it. I think it's great. I'm interested to ask you about leadership in this time. How can Mm -hmm. corporate leaders and companies support the Black Lives Matter movement? How can companies support employees who are feeling upended and concerned and nervous right now? These are two questions I think we're all dealing with right now. And I would say on the first one, Black Lives Matter is more than a hashtag, more than one moment. There's a movement that has been a long time coming, far too long. And we as leaders must be the change that we and our associates envision the world and in our workplace. But how, right? For me, it's by listening, learning, and then taking action. We have to re-examine what we do and how we do it, from hiring to promoting, to purchasing, to training, to working with the communities, to invest in the infrastructure that our educational systems in all neighborhoods need. As a leader of our African-American Associate Business Resource Group says, there is no justice without all of us. So the second question is, how can companies support employees who are feeling offended and concerned and nervous right now? And again, you know, I think this is more about real conversations and being open to the many feelings that our Black associates and all of our people have right now. People are in pain, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're sad. And what we have to help everyone move towards is hope. Our Black associates need to know and believe their lives matter, their hearts and minds matter. And while I'll never understand how it feels, the only way I know how to show support as an ally 
is to proactively reach out for courageous conversations, cry together, which I have done and self-educate by listening to voices within the black community and do that over and over again while taking anti-racist actions on those institutional frameworks and decisions that whether overtly or subtly are biased and we need to get rid of them. And as a company, you know, we have to stop trying to rationalize past decisions because it's really not about the past now, it's about the future. And all that matters is just speaking up today and supporting those employees and causes that support marginalized communities. Let's move forward with equality for all as our North Star. That's very inspirational, the way that you articulated it. All right, well, I'm going to switch over to our questions that are a little more lighthearted here. So tell us, what is your favorite karaoke song? Uh, it's super easy. I love Don Henley's duet with Stevie Nicks, Leather and Lace. Oh, that's I a am such a great I'm one. A 70, big haired Jersey girl. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that performance one day soon. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite way to exercise or practice self care or slow down your brain? What, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So I love Instagram. It's frightening. I love taking pictures. It's something I used to do as a kid with my dad. And, and so now I, I do that and I post uh, photos on Instagram. So what I try to do, you know, mind and body, right, is I try to take walks outside and try to take pictures. So I'm, I can walk a mile, but I can take a picture of a flower or a sunset or a sunrise. All those things are super popular, right, on Instagram. But, but they make me feel good, right? Yeah. That, to me, is the zen moment that I get to have. And, you know, it's wintertime. I, I, I was lucky enough to be able to get a treadmill. And I, I have a, an app now that I can walk in, you know, and explore virtual ruins and countries that I hoped I can visit someday while I'm oh. on the treadmill. That's I know. really cool. It's awesome. And, you know, I'm a big reader, too. So either it's I'm on Audible when I'm walking and taking pictures or I'm on my treadmill and I'm, you know, going through Egypt, which is a place I don't know that I'll ever get to go to. But it's fabulous to do that. Very good for your brain. That sounds really cool. And I love, I think that there must be something that's like an essentialism or mindfulness best practice about the idea of walking and, you know, after a day of kind of complex corporate concepts to then go sit and kind of like take the time to really look at a flower. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's incredible. Uh, so then about books, what book would you say has had a great impact on your life or a book that you want to recommend to our audience? Yeah. So, you know, I've been around a while. So I read a book. This is a women in leadership book that was brought to us. And we, we used it for one of our kind of mentored book club conversations. It was called The Brag Book by Peggy Klaus. I love it's Peggy the Brag Klaus. Book. She's a friend of ours. Yeah. Oh, no That's kidding. So The Art of Tooting Your Own Horn Without Blowing It. Exactly. I love it. By far one of my favorite books. Yes. So, so you're, you're teeing me up beautifully here, Deb. I have to do it. Now I have to ask you to brag for us. Ooh. You know, I'm going to I'm going to pick a personal brag if I could. Absolutely. Um, I have uh, a daughter and my daughter hands down is my greatest accomplishment. 
She's professional, a professional woman, a professional manager. She's a total girl boss, smart, beautiful in every way, works incredibly hard, is incredibly warm, wonderful, fantastic writer, my finest work. Oh, I, did I love that. that. I love it. You should be proud. Very Congratulations. Lucky. Thank you. I super am. All right. Well, so that brings us to our last question here, which is, what's the one most important piece of career advice you would leave our audience with, or you would leave your daughter with? What's the one thing that you think our audience should really think about and know? Yeah, this, this is, um, this is something I learned, you know, probably the hard way along the way, um, to declare, declare what you want from your boss, your partner, your life. You know, one of the things, and I'll, I'll say this as a, as a woman, you know, men really don't have to be convinced of their worth, right? They're, they grow up believing they can do anything. We grew up believing it's being nice if we don't express what we really expect or want, or it's nice for us to be humble and, you know, not, you know, kind of wear our ambition or aspiration on our sleeve. But actually, it's much kinder, much just say what you want and not expect people to read your mind and then you'd be disappointed. So my advice really is to be willing and courageous, declare for yourself and you'll be amazed at how people will listen and respond. I love it. I think that's wonderful advice and it's probably true in professional life, true in personal life. There's, it is so smart to declare. Well, Deb, I have learned a lot from you and your journey today. I love this idea of you. I mean, you have obviously such a hunger for knowledge and it has catapulted you to success. Uh, so I will remember that from you. Remember how important it is to learn that hard work really does pay off and that along the way, you have to represent yourself. You have to brag and you have to declare. So thank you for everything you've shared with us today. Thank you for joining us. And thank you. I really appreciate sharing what has gotten me to this point. At least we know that worked. It got me here. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Well, I wish you the best of luck and health and safety in this difficult time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Stay well, stay safe, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.